Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Laura D. Adams. Uh, she is an author, personal finance expert. Uh, she has a podcast called Money Girl, and she also works with the website finder.com. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Laura. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Just give us a little brief background about your history, how you got to where you are today, just so people have some background on you. Yes, um, I started working in personal finance. Um, After I got my MBA, I I had thought about going into corporate finance, but I quickly realized that writing about personal topics, you know, everything from retirement savings, investing, budgeting, credit, you know, all of the, the things that we need to know as consumers, that was way more interesting to me than than corporate finance and began podcasting in 2007 uh, was one of the kind of the first financial podcasts out there and I've been podcasting every week since then uh, we've got over 700 shows in the archive and so that platform allowed me to reach more people and eventually write books I'm a personal finance author of um, nine books now and do a lot of work in the PR space, working with companies that want to get a message out, a positive financial message out to consumers. So whether that's working as a spokesperson or writing, doing videos, whatever it may be, you know, helping companies reach consumers and educating them, that really is a a win-win for me. So, you know, that's kind of the the story of of what I do. And, you know, anything related to personal finances is um, just very near and dear to my heart. And helping people become financially literate uh, is just a huge mission of mine personally. Excellent. So let's kind of set the scene of where we are in the economy today. Uh, The stock market has been plunging. uh, Cryptocurrency has been plunging. Inflation is moving up. Uh, kind of where do you evaluate where where we are right now in the economic cycle? Yeah, you know, there are always cycles. There's always ups and downs. You know, it's it's definitely something that, uh, you know, we, we can't ever take for granted that stocks are going to just go up indefinitely, that crypto is going to go up indefinitely. They're going to be highs and lows. And so I think, you know, the key for investors is not to allow your emotions to get the better of you. When things are low and, you know, you're selling based on emotion, that's typically the worst time to sell, right? Because you bought high and now you're selling low, you're, you're realizing uh, losses. And, you know, on the, the flip side, it's also true, you know, when, when things are going up and you're wanting to get into cryptocurrency or wanting to buy, buying at the top of the market um, is, is never wise either. So for most investors, really trying to keep a cool head through the volatility is truly the secret to successful investing. Dollar cost averaging, you know, buying small amounts on a regular basis as prices move is what has been shown to uh, to provide the highest returns over the long term. And for most of us, we're in investing, whether whatever it is, whatever you know, alternative asset or mainstream asset, most folks are looking to hold them for the long term. We're looking at how do we have a comfortable and healthy retirement. You know, we're not looking at day trading, or at least probably you shouldn't be looking at getting in and out of these investments on a short-term basis. If you've got plenty of time, um, you can weather that volatility. And, you know, the key is, are these investments going to be worth more 
when you're in retirement and you need to live on them than they are today? And for, you know, in most cases, the answer is yes. And that means holding them for the long term. So what are your current situation? People think the Federal Reserve has been way behind the curve. Inflation's at 7%. Their interest rates are still at zero. They may raise rates three or four times this year. That's got people freaking out and selling stocks. What is your view of kind of what the Federal Reserve's up to and how people should be reacting to that? Yeah, you know, they definitely have been denying inflation or did deny inflation for uh, too long, um, saying that it was transitory. And of course, it, it ended up not to be. I do think eventually we're going to see supply chain issues sort of smooth out. I do think that, you know, inflation is is going to come back down, but it could be quite some time. It could be years before we truly see things come back down. Um, and you know, if the if the Fed does raise rates a couple times this year, um, you know, that's going to be good. You know, if for some industries, it's going to be bad for others. So I'd say looking at what you can do right now, kind of preparing, um, thinking about, you know, wh- where is my mortgage interest rate? Can I, let's say, lock in a low rate right now if I've got a variable or an interest-only loan? Can I lock in a fixed-rate mortgage uh, at a rate today before rates may go higher? Can I pay down my credit card uh, debt? Because if it's a variable rate, you know, your your interest rate may be heading up, et cetera. So trying to do everything you can to make sure that you're paying debt at a, the lowest rate possible. And if you are in the market to make a big purchase, you're looking at buying a home or a car, financing something, you know, trying to really prepare your credit right now, making sure you're in a good position to do that sooner rather than later, maybe wise, you know, um, I don't think the Fed is going to raise rates uh, dramatically, um, you know, all at once. They tend to just inch them up little by little. So it's not like you're going to wake up tomorrow and rates are going to be, you know, dramatically higher than they are today. But nonetheless, you know, any savings that you can get when financing uh, debt at a lower rate, even if it's, you know, a fraction of a percent, that's going to save you significantly over time. Let's talk about cryptocurrencies. You've written about it. So, it's had a really volatile ride. It went up to about 65,000. Now it's down to the low 30,000. Um, you, you have various ways you think people should be investing in cryptocurrency. What do you think is the right way for somebody who hasn't done it yet to go into cryptocurrencies? Yeah, because it is taking a little dip right now, at least Bitcoin uh, has taken the dip. And in most cases, many other cryptocurrencies tend to follow Bitcoin. Um, so if it is something that you're interested in, if you've got the you know the ability to put a little bit of risk in your portfolio, I would say a small percentage, let's say maybe 5%, if you're comfortable with it, maybe 10% of your portfolio could be a good idea for alternative investments. And that can be cryptocurrency, real estate, you know, precious metals. It could be really anything other than stocks, bonds, and cash. So, you know, making sure you've got that diversification is really wise. Now, you know, should you be investing in cryptocurrency if you don't understand it or, you know, you're a little scared of it? I would say no. Um, So you need to do your homework. You need to really um, start learning about it. And uh, Bitcoin is kind of an asset class all of its own. It it really is a very um, unique cryptocurrency. It was the first cryptocurrency. It's been around since 2008. um, And it's a very secure uh, blockchain that it exists on. 
So that's kind of the reason that, that Bitcoin is uh, sort of in an asset class on its own. Um, but there are many other cryptocurrencies out there that really represent more projects. They're, they're things that are more technology-based that are that are they're being built upon. So Ethereum is an example of that. So it's kind of a, a base layer of technology that many other um, projects are building on top of. Um, so it is something that you need to research and understand. And, but if it's something that you're comfortable with, I would say starting with uh, with Bitcoin, again, maybe it's a 1%, 2% of your portfolio um, to, to get started. Really, all you, you need to do is purchase a um, or go into an, a wallet, have a either a crypto exchange. There are many exchanges out there. Coinbase is probably one of the, the best known. Opening an account. Then you fund that account with with USD, transferring that money just directly from your uh, checking or savings account into that exchange. And then from that exchange, you would purchase uh, Bitcoin and then you could hold it there. Or you could purchase it within an IRA, a self-funded or self-directed IRA, um, something like you know Bitcoin IRA is one option. There are several out there where you're owning either a traditional or Roth IRA or a SEP IRA if you're self-employed. And you can actually own crypto within that IRA. You can even own gold or other precious metals within that IRA. And there's a huge advantage there because if you've got gains on those uh, transactions, you will not be able to, you know, you won't be taxed on them. Uh, You won't be uh, looking at any taxable event uh, within that qualified account. So that's a great way to own cryptocurrency um, and, you know, something I would encourage folks to do first before investing through a taxable account. You also say there are crypto Coverdell education savings accounts and health savings accounts. Talk about those a little bit. That's right. Again, it's the same concept as with a self-directed IRA. It's a self-directed HSA or self-directed ESA. And again, basically what they're they're doing is giving you the opportunity to own some of these alternative investments in that account. So the custodian um, is authorized and uh, you know giving you the ability to own things that you you know typically wouldn't find in just a kind of a regular plain vanilla HSA or ESA. So you do have to seek them out, um, but they're they're out there. And it is just one way to make sure that you've got diversification uh, within your portfolio. So it may be that you've got a regular SEP IRA if you're self-employed with just stock funds. Maybe you've got exchange-traded funds or mutual funds in in that particular SEP IRA, but then you might open a second one that is just for your cryptocurrency. And as long as you don't exceed the annual limits on both of those accounts, you can contribute to both of them throughout the year as you wish. Just tell us what the uh, uh, limits are on those two. Yeah, so with a a traditional and Roth IRA, the limit is pretty low. For 2022, you can put $6,000 in, or if you're over age 50, you can put a little bit more in. You can go up to $7,000. Now, when we're talking about uh, funds for the self-employed, the most one of the most popular is a SEP IRA, and that has a much higher limit. So I always encourage folks to use a SEP IRA if you do have any self-employment income. 
And for that, you can put in um, up to 25% of your net self-employment earnings up to a limit, up to $61,000 for 2022. And so it, it takes um, you know a little bit of estimating because you may not know what your net self-employment uh, income is going to be until the end of the year. So you could put a little bit in now and then at the end of the year, get with your accountant or when you've got your taxes done and you truly know what that number is, then you can fund more. So you've got until April 15 or tax day of the following year to put in money for the current year. So you've really got until April, mid-April of 2023 to fund your account for 2022. So and that's typically my situation. I've got a SEP IRA and I never really know exactly how much am I going to be able to put in. So I've got a monthly amount that I, I put in throughout the year and then I kind of reconcile everything with my accountant and he says, okay, you know, now you can put in an additional amount and I make sure to max that out and that will also reduce your tax liability for the current year. So it's a great account and I do have a, um, a, a Bitcoin IRA um, in addition to a regular mainstream IRA. And I kind of split my contributions between the regular account and the crypto account. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Laura Adams. You can find out more about her at the website finder.com. She's also the uh, host of the Money Girl podcast. We'll be back after this. I recently started subscribing to Blinkist which is a service which gives you condensed versions of top books and audios on many vital topics. You can read the most important ideas of a 200-plus page book in about 10 or 15 minutes and listen to the audio of that book in 30 minutes or less. Blinkist empowers you to grow personally and professionally by discovering content that inspires, motivates, and gives you new perspectives. Blinkist offers you content in 27 categories. In the business and money world, it covers entrepreneurship, economics, management and leadership, money and investments, and careers. There's a lot to learn here. In the money and investment sections, I read some of the classics in the field, such as One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch and The Last Safe Investment by Michael Ellsberg. Other offerings uh, include some of the authors I've interviewed on The Money Answer Show, such as Grant Sabatier, who wrote Financial Freedom, and Aaron Lowry of Broke Millennial. I particularly enjoyed Mind Over Money by Claudia Hammond, which delves into why we make financial decisions we do based on how we've been raised, for better or worse. She tells several interesting stories about the mistakes people make with money, which really drive home her points. In the economic section, I particularly enjoyed The Raging Twenties by Alec Ross about who will win and lose in this decade. And then there was The Promise of Bitcoin by Bobby Lee, which explains how to take advantage of the emerging world of cryptocurrencies. And that's just a small sample of what you can find at Blinkist. Use Blinkist to become better, smarter, and more knowledgeable as, you, as a person. I'd love you to have the same positive experience I've had in exploring what Blinkist has to offer. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for listeners of The Money Answers Show. Go to Blinkist.com slash Money Answers to start your free seven-day trial and 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-K-N-I-S-T dot com slash money answers to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. That's Blinkist.com slash money answers. 
Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Laura D. Adams. She is the uh, host of the Money Girl podcast. She contributes on personal financial topics at finder.com. Welcome back to the show, Laura. Thanks so much. So we talked about the volatile stock and Bitcoin uh, cryptocurrency market. Something that's maybe a little bit more stable is real estate. So you have some things about active versus passive real estate investing. So before we get into the specifics of that, what is the case for real estate investing today with house prices having gone up so much? Yeah, you know, it's definitely a two-edged sword because when you're you're seeing that price appreciation as a homeowner and you're thinking, wow, I've got all this extra equity, if you do want to sell and you want to move, you know, you're going to be spending that equity on the next property. So, you know, it is something that, uh, you know, homeowners love to see, but certainly as a new person coming into the market, a first-time homeowner, is really looking at some incredibly inflated values in most parts of the country. That's very intimidating. It makes it very difficult to qualify, um, especially with, with rates uh, perhaps starting to eke up this year is going to make homes even more difficult, more of a stretch. So, you know, I'd say the the point here is not to uh, feel defeated by the rising prices, Um but to plan for it, you know, really make sure that you're thinking about what you can afford, not overstretching your budget. 
um, getting your credit in great shape so you can get the lowest interest rate possible on the mortgage, saving up as much as you can for the down payment so that you can reduce your monthly mortgage payment as much as possible. A lot of people are buying homes with other people, whether they're it's a friend or a partner, um, You know, even really looking at, at sharing homes because it, it does make it more affordable. Uh, but coming up with a plan and just really understanding what you can afford uh, maybe tempering that that dream home a little bit if you've got your sights set on a particular type of home. You know, it may be out of reach with your pu- with your budget by the time you really factor in insurance, property taxes. You know, the full cost of owning that property might be a lot more than you think. You know, if if you're not familiar uh, with real estate, so just do some careful homework. Work with good real estate agents. They can help you figure out what you can afford and, and kind of point you into the areas where you're going to be making a wise investment. As a buyer, how do you deal with bidding wars? I mean, if you have a lot of people bidding, even all cash, as this happens with a lot of properties, how, how can people do that? A lot of people are getting shot out of the homes they want to buy because there's so many people wanting to buy the same house. Yeah, exactly. People are overbidding. They're really... Um, you know, it's just such a, such a crazy market in so many areas. I think one strategy that has worked for some of the people I know that have been buying is really trying to appeal to the seller, you know, really trying to meet them. And I know people who have even written letters to sellers telling them how much they love their home and why it would be the perfect place for them. And believe it or not, it can work. You know, if a seller really does like you personally, they may feel like they want the home to go to somebody who they relate to or they would like to see in the home. So don't underestimate, you know, the ability to kind of uh, chat up the the seller and befriend them. And, you know, you may find a, a real connection there. Um, and who knows, you know, they may take your offer over a, another similar or even a higher offer if they simply like you and want you to be the next owner of the property. It's not going to work every time, but, you know, it's worth a shot. So how about as an investment, as becoming a landlord, Again, prices are inflated, so does it make it trickier to get positive cash flow real estate if you are in a bidding war to buy rental property? Yeah, it can certainly, but there are also many areas of the country where rents are going up, you know, as much or even more than the value of of homes. So, you know, depending on where you are, um, again, it, it comes down to doing your homework. If you work with a real estate agent who truly understands the rental market in a particular area, they can let you know if, you know, what you're thinking of paying for a property is going to translate into positive cash flow. You really need to be very realistic about what the market values are for going rents and what the potential vacancies might be, repairs that are needed. You know, the trick there is to really estimate uh, all of your potential costs. And even if you're just breaking even, you know, for a lot of uh, investors, that's, you know, that's a good deal for them. Um, just having a tenant pay that mortgage for them and, and you know, giving them the ability to, to have that asset appreciate over time um, is worth not having any significant uh, cash flow to speak of, but certainly having positive cash flow and appreciation is the ideal situation. Um, if you're not comfortable with kind of getting your your hands dirty in real estate, that's okay because there are a lot of ways that you can own real estate 
without having to put up a big down payment um, or even having to, you know, manage it and deal with all the legal issues of being a landlord. Um, you can invest in a real estate fund. There are, you know, exchange traded funds. There are lots of real estate investing platforms out there as well that allow you to do deals either through funds or even investing directly in a particular property uh, without having to own and manage that property directly. So I would say in- investigate the options because it might be a little easier and less intimidating than than you think. What would be some examples of some funds that would uh, fit your criteria you just talked about? Yeah. So, you know, looking at um, a site like CrowdStreet, that's a real estate investing platform that allows you to have a variety of either deals or particular funds that allow you to basically be investing in multiple properties at once. So they're kind of pooling investments into uh, into kind of one investment opportunity. And as you invest in that, um, they're putting that money into many, many deals around the country. So that's just one example of a, you know, the ability to put money into a fund where, you know, you're getting the upside, you're being, you're able to take advantage of the income and appreciation either on residential or commercial, mainly um, we're talking about commercial properties. Uh, but there are companies like Awning uh, is one that comes to mind that is a brokerage that, that uh, specializes in residential rental properties. So no matter if you're looking at the residential side or commercial, there are some ways to do it without actually having to go out and buy the property yourself. How about short-term rentals? People are doing that when they're doing Airbnbs where it's a constant turnover, but you can often make more by renting it out shorter term than if you rented to the same person for the entire month. Absolutely. Short-term rentals are a great opportunity as well. It can be more labor-intensive if you are not hiring a property manager to oversee, Uh, but there are certainly lots of companies out there that specialize in handling Airbnbs or uh, VRBO. If you do that, I would recommend using multiple platforms. Don't just kind of put all your eggs into Airbnb, let's say, put, you know, you want to list it on multiple platforms. And it really can be quite profitable if you are investing in property in areas where people want a vacation. Um, so, you know, the, the trick there is to really understand what the seasonality is of a particular area and kind of, you know, going for those areas that are attractive to people on vacation. Very good. So in general, you think real estate is still a good place to invest, even though prices have gone up so dramatically. It is. I just think it's a unique asset class. You know, there, there's nothing else like it that gives you shelter and gives you the ability to go on vacation. Uh, it's pretty unique. And so as prices rise, just remember that rents are going to rise as well if you're looking at, um, you know, looking at short-term or long-term rentals. Or if you're handy, maybe you will fix up a, a property that needs a lot of work and then put it back on the market and sell at, you know, a pretty nice price. Uh, you do have to be an expert at estimating those renovations, though, that can be uh, can be pretty tricky if you miss the mark. So uh, you may want to go into a deal like that with a partner that's got experience doing fixer-uppers. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answers Show. My guest this hour is Laura D. Adams, personal finance expert. Uh, she's the host of the Money Girl podcast. You can find her work at finder.com. We'll be back after this. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors. Our crowd analyzes uh, your situation uh, and uh, looks at the global uh, market 
selecting those with the greatest growth potential, and then brings them to you. From personalized medicine to cybersecurity to robotics, quantum computing, and much more, in state-of-the-art labs, startup garages, and anywhere in between, our crowd is identifying innovators so you can invest when growth potential is the greatest, which is early. Our crowd is the fastest-growing venture capital investment community. Our crowd's accredited investors have already invested in over $1 billion worth of property and many growing tech companies. 21 other portfolio companies are unicorns. And many of our crowd's members have benefited from over 40 IPOs or sale exits of portfolio companies. Now you can invest in Bluetree, who could revolutionize the billion-dollar-plus total addressable food tech market. Bluetree has developed a process to significantly reduce the sugar in any natural liquid, lowering health risks while retaining great taste. Bluetree has already signed a five-year, 100-million-liter contract with an industry leader. Invest today at our crowd. Invest in Bluetree at OURCROW.com slash answers. You can join our crowd for free at OURCROW.com slash answers. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at OURCROW.com slash answers. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Laura D. Adams, a personal finance expert, host of the Money Girl podcast. You can find her writings at finder.com. Welcome back to the show, Laura. Thanks so much. You talk about good debt versus bad debt. So let's first of all say, what is good debt? Most people think any debt is not good, but what debt do you think is good? 
Yes, I I do challenge that idea that all debt is bad because um, certainly most people need a mortgage to buy a home. And that's probably one of the best debts out there. Um, It's good in the sense that interest rates for our mortgages are very low relative to many other types of debt. Um, While they may be inching up a little bit, they're still at historic lows. Also, a portion of the interest that you pay on that debt may be tax deductible if you claim that on your tax return. So because you've got the tax uh, deductibility of, of a part of that debt, it reduces the interest rate that you're paying. Uh, on an after-tax basis, even less. So let's say you've got a 3.5% mortgage. If you're taking advantage of the the interest deduction, you know, that may lower it down to uh, 3% or even 2.5% on a net after-tax basis. So, you know, that is certainly one of the, the better debts out there. Um, another one that comes to mind is student loan debt. It's also something that can be abused. Many people have uh, taken out, uh, you know, way more student loan debt than they probably should have. However, if you are borrowing responsibly for your education, studies have shown that it can pay off significantly. You can earn literally millions of dollars more by having a degree, whether it's a graduate degree um, or an undergraduate degree over the lifetime of your career. So when you you know you think about your earning potential because of that particular degree and that education that you're buying, it really can pay off. Now, you know, that being said, um, people are taking out a lot more than they they may uh, be able to repay. And so I always like to give some guidelines for that, you know, to make student loan debt a quote good debt. I would recommend limiting it to no more than your first year salary out of school. So let's say you're graduating, you're going to be going into corporate finance, maybe your first year out of school, you're going to be making, let's say, $80,000. That would be a good number to say, okay, $80,000 is the target for my entire student loan debt. And if I have to pay more than that, I'm going to work for it. You know, I'm going to uh, apply for scholarships. I'm going to do work-study programs. Um, so limiting it, uh, I think, to that first-year salary or one year of a typical salary might be a good rule of thumb for a lot of people. And again, the uh, portion of the interest that you're paying on a student loan debt is deductible. It's it's a pretty small amount. It typically is limited to uh, about $2,500 a year. But that helps. Um, So those are some examples of good debt. And how about home equity loans? Would that be considered a good debt in your mind? Yeah, you know, it really depends on what you're doing with that home equity loan. If you're going on vacation or you're buying, uh, you know, something that's, let's say, um, consumer-oriented, like furniture or something that is going to lose, have no value or lose its value immediately, um, that would not be a good debt. However, if you can use that home equity to improve your home, you know, improving the value of your home is really what home equity was originally designed to do. Um, so if you can do that and um, let's say adding on a, you know, another room on your home or a, a bathroom or adding on a pool, something that 
increases the utility of the home and your enjoyment of that property. Um, And it allows you to stay there, let's say, versus going out and buying a more expensive home. Um, That can definitely be a a wise thing. You know, also many people will use home equity to pay for college. You know, if you can use that low interest home equity loan for another good, quote, good debt, um, you know, it can be wise because, again, it's at a very low interest rate. And if you're using it for home improvements, uh, a portion of that interest can be tax deductible. If you're using it for anything other than home uh, remodeling projects, it's typically not tax deductible. So just some things to keep in mind there. And, and that could be a home equity loan or a line of credit that you tap into. As far as bad loans, I assume you think credit card debt. What are some other uh, bad debts that people should not be taking on? Yeah, so anything obviously with very high rates of interest. So that can include payday loans. These are the, you know, the types of loans that many folks who are unbanked may use. They may get a loan because they can't make it to the next payday, you know, and and then they have to repay that loan um, when they do get their next paycheck. The interest rates can be incredibly high. Um, it can be, you know, a very abusive to borrowers. So I certainly don't encourage people to get into that trap. Um, but any other types of loans that are super high interest, typically credit cards. Um, they can be even auto loans. In some cases, if you are uh, you don't have great credit, um, auto loans can can be you know up in the double digits if you don't have good credit. So you want to work on eliminating debts from the highest interest rates down to the lowest interest rates in general. And that method is is wise because it's going to save you the most interest. So saving those low interest loans like the home equity line, like the, the mortgage and the, the student loan, saving those for last is typically best. And then eliminating all of your higher interest debts first um, either you know not getting into those debts to begin with, or if you already have, trying to tackle them first is going to save you the most interest, and that's going to allow you to pay more to the next lower interest debt. So you talk about three ways of paying off your debt. The first one is a debt snowball. Explain how that works. Yeah, so the debt snowball is really looking at the amount of debt that you have. So it looks at what what are the small debts that I've got? And it doesn't really look at interest rate at all. So maybe you've got a very small student loan, a you know, few thousand dollars left on a student loan um, that it's at seven, let's say six, seven percent interest. Um, you might go ahead and pay that off first because it's going to give you a feeling of satisfaction, give you that small win. Um, and, and a lot of people need that. They really want to just feel, you know, empowered and feel like they're getting some momentum in the in their debt payoff plan. So if that helps you, I would never tell you not to do that. And a lot of people are losing sleep over student loans. If any debt is really causing you to worry or lose sleep, by all means, tackle it first. You know, just get rid of it. Um, so that's what is known as the debt snowball method. Another method is the landslide. And so this is where you're really looking at the the interest rate first, Um, looking at, or rather this is called the, I'm sorry, the avalanche method. This is looking at your largest interest rate first and and doing that. And then the other one, the landslide, is looking at what are the newer debts. So trying to eliminate 
the most recent debts that you've accumulated first, that can actually be helpful when we're talking about improving your credit. So if you've got poor credit, uh, looking at the you know most recent transactions and eliminating those can actually be more beneficial for your credit because the scoring models will give it more weight uh, than some of your older transactions. So some kind of advanced um, you know techniques there, uh, but the idea is to come up with a plan and stick with it. And whatever that plan is for you, the one that you're going to stick with is is what's going to be successful for you. So listing out all your debts is the is the first place to start and then kind of coming up with a priority method that makes sense for you. What are some misconceptions people have about what affects their credit report negatively or positively? Yeah, there are lots of misconceptions about credit for sure. You know, a lot of people think that if they pay off a debt, that it will just immediately go away. And so this is the biggest, uh, I think, misconception out there. People don't realize that um, a debt is going to stay on your report for quite some time. Now, if you paid it off in good standing, you made all your payments on time, it'll be there for seven years, uh, or rather for 10 years. If you had some, let's say, late payments, uh, or even went into collections, it's not going to stay as long. It will actually stay there for seven years. So I think just remember that even if you pay off a debt, it's not going to just go away. If there are bad marks associated with it, it is going to stick around at least for seven years and lenders will be able to see that history. What do you think about debt settlement as a way of getting rid of your debt, settling it for 50 cents of the dollar? You know, it can be a very wise strategy, but you need to be careful because in a lot of cases, you can actually uh, reset the statute of limitations on a debt. So it does depend on how old the debt is and what your situation is. If you've got cash to pay and make an offer to a creditor, uh, especially if, you know, it's old, you've been behind on that debt, that can be very, very effective. Many creditors would rather take 50%, even 30% of what you owe rather than get nothing down the road. So I think it's worth uh, looking into, but again, you want to be careful because the laws can work against you, uh, you know, if you're not careful. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Laura D. Adams. She's a personal finance expert, host of The Money Girl podcast. You can find her work also at finder.com. We'll be back after this. For the last two weeks, I've been taking Athletic Greens, which is a delicious multivitamin powder that has given me new energy and boosted my immune system. Every morning, I mix the powder in 12 ounces of water into the plastic container they provided, shake it up, and drink it. It has kind of a mild tropical taste that I look forward to every day. So what's in this stuff? Athletic Greens powder has 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help me start my day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, and slows down the aging process. It also helps you sleep better and absorb nutrients from foods into your bloodstream more efficiently. Athletic Greens is a lifestyle friendly, whether your diet is keto, paleo, gluten-free, or dairy-free. It's very natural and has only one gram of sugar and no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. Athletic Greens is based on the latest science, is tested extensively, and is constantly being tweaked and improved. It costs less than $3 a day. You will spend less on it 
than all the supplements and multivitamins you may already be taking. Think of it as investing in your health so you don't have to spend money on the therapies to recover from bad health habits. It has thousands of five-star reviews and is recommended by many professional athletes. Athletic Greens is also a climate-neutral certified company which donates some of the proceeds of its sales to organizations to get millions of nutritious meals to kids in need all over the world. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially since we're in the cold and flu season. It's just one scoop of Athletic Greens powder with a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for any different pills or multivitamins to look out for your health. To make it easy to get started, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash moneyanswers. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash moneyanswers to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Laura D. Adams. She is known as The Money Girl. Her her podcast is called The Money Girl Podcast. You can find her work at finder.com. Welcome back to the show, Laura. Thank you. So there are some new retirement account rules taking effect in 2022. Tell us what some of the most significant ones are. Yeah, I think for most folks, the fact that there are higher contribution limits for workplace retirement plans is really good news. So for 2022, if your employer offers a plan, it could be a 401k, a 403b, you can now uh, put in $1,000 more than you could last year. So the, the new limit is $20,500. And this also applies to some other plans known as 457 plans. These are typically for um, government uh, workers and thrift savings plans or TSPs uh, for federal workers. So 
I would say right now, evaluate how much you are contributing on either a weekly basis, you know, monthly, however your your paychecks are coming out. Make sure that by the end of the year, you're going to be able to reach that goal and max it out. And if you're over age 50, you can add an additional catch-up contribution of $6,500, bringing your annual total to $27,000. So kind of back into that number and figure out what you need to be contributing every pay period in order to get as close as you can to maxing it out. Um, That's money that is going to be uh, well spent. It's going to be something that's going to give you a tax break in the current year, and the growth in the account is going to be tax deferred. Um, So you're not going to pay tax on on any of your contributions or the growth in the account until you take those withdrawals in retirement. So that is the first place your money should be going. If you have a choice, you can't afford all of them, but you have a choice between a 401k, a traditional IRA, and a Roth IRA, which should you put money into first? Yeah, I would say go with the 401k. Um, You know, I really like the fact that it's got higher contribution limits. You know, even if you can't hit hit the max, maybe you'll be able to get more in there than you could with the IRA, which is just at $6,000 or $7,000 if you're over age 50. There are also some nice um, federal uh, protections that you get from having money in a 401k or any type of a workplace plan that's covered by federal law known as ERISA. And what that means basically is that creditors can't touch your retirement money in one of these protected plans. So, you know, I don't know if if that would be something that would help listeners, but if you're somebody that thinks, you know, I could get into trouble with a creditor, maybe because you've got some uh, a hardship that you've been dealing with, some past due bills, that sort of thing, having money in a 401k is just, you know, a little bit more protected in most cases than with an IRA. So we're at the beginning of the year. What are some financial resolutions that people should be making that they could actually keep and not forget about? Yeah, so this is a great thing. People come into the new year with lots of good intentions. And then, you know, about this time of year, it, it, it's uh, it's fading away. So I like to automate goals. I think that's just a really smart way to make sure that you can reach them because, we're, you know, we're, we're human beings. We make mistakes. We mess up. We might intend to save a lot of money and then we get tempted by taking a vacation or, or, you know, doing something that that's a bit of a splurge for us. So if you can automate your savings and investments, you're more likely to achieve them. So I would say, like I just mentioned, you know, making sure that you are contributing as much as you can at work. Um, I love the 401k because it's automated. It has to be deducted from your paycheck. That's part of how a 401k works. And that's why they are so successful. They're taking the guesswork out of it and just making sure that before you ever see the money, it's getting uh, immediately put into your retirement account. So bump up that contribution. Let's say maybe right now you're putting in 5% of your salary. Let's bump it up a little, maybe make it 6% or 7%. So making sure that you are contributing as much as you can each year. And don't forget, if you kick it up a little bit and then find out that for some reason you are feeling a pinch, 
and you you can't put that much in. You can always change the contribution at any time. You know, you're not locked into it, um, but it's great if you can stick to it. So I would say evaluating how much you're putting into retirement accounts um, is a major resolution that everybody should look at. And of course, eliminating debt. We, we want to be doing both of those at the same time. Don't stop your retirement contribution just because you got credit card debt. You need to be working on both simultaneously. Now, yeah. having said that, if you've got a dangerous debt, something like um, you know a tax uh, a tax lien, you're behind on your taxes, or you know behind on child support, something that could really get you in trouble, you definitely need to tackle that first. But for most people, working on on paying off debt and re- and investing at the same time is wise. A lot of people leaving their jobs these days, they call it the Great Resignation. If you're thinking of leaving your job and becoming self-employed, how how should you prepare for that financially? Yeah, this is really important because if you're going to leave the security of a day job with all the the benefits that you probably have, you need to have a a good financial plan in place. And one way to make sure that you can maintain your standard of living while you build a business is doing it on the side. Maybe you want to do a a side gig in the evenings or weekends or, you know, part-time. That's a great way to kind of test out your business idea figure out if it is if there is a market for it if you like the work and also is it going to be profitable for you and if it is you can begin to save some money from that side business that will help your help your emergency savings if you do decide eventually to to quit the the, the day job so instead of just leaping and and hoping for the best i always encourage people to be a little less risk, uh, a little less risky about it. You know, protect themselves a bit by making sure they've got a healthy emergency savings. They've tested out their idea. You know, they've really thought through uh, their financial situation before leaving a job. Um, but I'm a big believer in creating second, third sources of income. You know, I think that can be a real, almost like an insurance policy that you set up for yourself. So I would encourage people to explore what they can do. You know, what are the skills that you're already using in your day job that maybe you could use on your own uh, for a side business? In the roughly two minutes we have left, why don't you kind of sum up, we've talked about a lot of things this last hour, what some of the best risks and opportunities there are for the rest of this year? Yeah, so for risks, I would say not being diversified in your investment portfolio is risky. You know, if you are, let's say, somebody that's trying to pick uh, a given stock uh, or trying to, you know, go all in on a particular cryptocurrency, that's probably a a big risk. Uh, Diversification is the name of the game. Um, And, you know, the biggest opportunities, I would say, uh, come down probably to thinking about how you can create additional sources of income for yourself like creating a side hustle or uh, creating a business that maybe you can take from part-time to full-time. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Laura D. Adams. Uh, She is a a podcaster. Her podcast is called The Money Girl Podcast. You can see her there. You can also find her work at finder.com. She gave you a lot of great ideas to work on in the coming year. So thanks so much for being a great guest on The Money Answer Show, Laura. Jordan, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. 
Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.